Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Welcome back to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke MBA. And as always, this show is part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network. And today I am joined again by Kyle Tige. He was just on a couple of episodes ago. We had a ton of fun chopping up some optimism. And then the preseason didn't look so good. Uh, so Kyle's back. We're going to talk about this upcoming season, um, what success means for Timberwolves as a whole and individually. And then just other things that Kyle may want to rant about because we know Kyle loves to rant and I listening to Kyle rant. So um, let's go ahead and let's get started. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, so first off, let's talk about the news that just blew up Timberwolves Twitter on Saturday. Um, Ronnie Hell Jefferson got cut and I don't think that's a move that many people expected. But... What do you think about what 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 are your thoughts on that move as a whole? Um you're right that it blew up. Uh I was kind of hoping that as the season ended with that Dallas win, we had the weekend off from content and then we would kind of ramp up starting today for the Timberwolves season. That was right. thrown to the curb um when that news broke and everyone lost their mind. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it sucks cuz he he played well. He brings energy and defense, which are things that the Wolves have lacked for as long as you and I have probably been alive. But um, I just push back on the notion that it's like they're not they're tanking or like they're not trying to win or this is this devastating move. Like he wasn't really going to play, which is another argument that you might want to chime in on. Right. But like, yeah. He, he was an end of bench guy. Like we're going to talk about the roster today. Like it's a numbers game. They don't play twelve deep. He mm-hmm. does some things well, but he just he can't spread the floor. That's an emphasis for them. Yes, he can defend, but they're going to try to find guys that can shoot and maybe defend rather than guys who can defend and not shoot at all. And that was his problem is he can't shoot at all. So, I, And he could be back. You never know. They want to be flexible. We don't know if there'll be another move coming up shortly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was they didn't get better by cutting Ronda Hellas-Jefferson, but they also didn't like – they're not yeah. going to – they're not tanking because they cut a guy who was making a hundred thousand dollars. So no. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Um, you know, at first I was like, wow, that, that, that's really surprising. And then the more I looked into it and then Logan Alton had a really good breakdown mm-hmm. about like financially what would happen. And then earlier today, I listened to Dane Moore. He had Jack Borman, Kane Asubis, um, teammate of yours on his podcast. And they just talked about what the move means and why it happened, whether people were, agree with it or not but what was the thinking of the front office and it, i never was overly appalled that the move was made and never was like super mad about it yeah i would like to have ronda Hellas jefferson and i think the timberwolves would like to have him too 
if it just worked out better financially. But the flexibility is a big thing because we know Rosas wants to make moves, but also the Timberwolves are so close to that luxury tax line that they just can't afford to go over this season unless you're like getting to the point where you're like almost guaranteeing yourself a playoff spot. So I think if like a trade was there, I think Rosas could convince Glenn to get into that tax again, like he did last season. But if a trade's not there, that really makes you a true contender to like for sure make it into the playoffs. I don't, I don't see how you can justify getting into the tax again. Right. And Ronnie Hells Jefferson, as much as people love him, the energy he brings, he was not putting the Timberwolves into that playoff conversation by himself. Right. Regardless of him having it or not, I don't think our playoff odds change by more than like 1%. Right. And and you brought this up, and this is a good point. If you haven't yet, Logan, Logan's article is perfect. And then right. Dane and Jack just hammered it home with a good pod. I mean, they, they broke down why. There's nothing else to really talk about on that. But I just, you know... I'm probably sound. I'm an optimist, but I also probably sound like an apologist. But you know, there's 29 other teams that didn't sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson to a minimum. Like the Wolves made right. a good little signing to bring him in as a training camp deal. But I mean, it's not. You know, it's like the Wolves are the dumbest franchise in the world when all these other franchises haven't made an effort to sign him either. So, um, in and of itself, it sucks because he was a good basketball player. But they're going to do something else. Come on, like he, Rosas has been here for like 21 months and he's made like 21 different roster transactions. Yeah. Like <laughs> something else is coming down. It could be by Wednesday, it could be next Wednesday, but I'll wait and see the long term ripples of these. Um, but it sucked. It, he was a good player. But I also think, and I know we're going to transition right into the other news, but you want to talk about Jordan McLaughlin? Yep. And I am excited about him. He's a good guy. My only take on him is he is like a superhuman being. But like when we're starting to get really stressed on Twitter or, you know, texting each other and messages about Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Jordan McLaughlin, we're probably already screwed because those guys don't move the needle. (laughs) Like I'm hyped that McLaughlin got paid. He should have got paid way more. I know you're a avid supporter of like restricted or restricted free agency sucks. And these guys get, you know, better or worse bent over and they can't do anything. It sucks. And he bet on himself and he's going to try to get paid next year. But Again, we're really worrying about like spices in the spice cabinet and not really focused on like, do we have meat in the fridge or do we have vegetables? Like yeah, those guys that are going to play are going to wins and losses. These other guys are developmental pieces or fringe rotation guys. So Right. And my thing with um, Rondé House Jefferson too is just what you said earlier, all these other teams, nobody else signed him. Right. And I think that that means something. And his value can be, you know, you can assess his value in any way you want. I think he's an NBA player. I think he deserves to be in a team. And, but it's telling that no other team wanted to give him more than a non-guaranteed camp contract. And he wanted to be with the Timberwolves. I don't know why. I think he has a relationship with D'Angelo Russell from being in Brooklyn. And he's known Cat since he was younger. So maybe he thought that would be a good place. There would be some good camaraderie there at Davis is here, you know, just people he's been around throughout his NBA career. Um, but at the same point, the Timberwolves seem to be betting on a trade happening. Like we talked about. Yeah. And I think that comes into the play with McLaughlin too, is why they didn't want to use the 15th roster spot on McLaughlin. Yep. Was because they needed that flexibility to make a move and still take back a little bit more money that than they're sending out. Right, right. And that's and Dane and Dane and Jack talked about that. So I don't want to talk about that for forty five minutes because they broke it down and they broke it down better than you or I are going to be able to break it down. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. So anybody listening to this that really wants a breakdown that maybe still frustrated about it, go listen to the Dane Moore NBA podcast that came out today. I'm yeah, this morning. Yep. Um. Go listen to that. They break it down way better. Um, Transition into Jordan McLaughlin now, and you already started talking about him. He's going to get minutes this season, but he's not going to be a rotation player unless somebody something happens to Rubio or Russell, or maybe even maybe even one of the wings. Maybe if a Kogi or Beasley's out, McLaughlin might see some run. Um, But the Timberwolves are always going to have D'Angelo Russell or Ricky Rubio on the court. Ryan Saunders alluded to that yesterday i believe so mclaughlin is either going to share the point with another share the court with another point guard 
or he's just going to be there in case they need another point guard. And right. I think he's he's not in the 10-man rotation. I think the Timberwolves aren't going to stretch it past 10-man 10 10-man 10 rotation this year. Yeah, they're, like Jaden McDaniel is going to get minutes when the Timberwolves are inevitably down by 40 points against the Lakers next or this Friday or whatever day it is. Yeah. But he's not like though they're not going past 10 men night in night out rotation what, especially when especially when they have other guys that can you know handle the ball a little bit like ryan and saunders Murray. was on yeah ryan saunders was on things was yesterday his media availability when he said just flat out which what we all knew but he confirmed it that rubio or russell will be on the court all 48 minutes Right. He wants, I mean, bold strategy, of course, to have a point guard on the floor all 48 minutes, but that's his plan. So there's not going to be a lot of room for McLaughlin, but is he good? Yes. Is he on a good deal for the team? Yes. Yes. Um, did he kind of bet on himself? <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the one thing I would take away from preseason is that, I mean, obviously I was I was wrong on Jalen Noel. I right. was kind of thought that experiment was dead. Uh, he looks really good. But if you actually – and you've been doing this, I, I just want to – quick aside to like Wolves Twitter, it's been really great to see people go back and rewatch games. I think that's a really good way to like study. Cause like we're all in the game. We're all just ripping off tweets and making jokes, but like you go back and watch the first couple games and like Noel can score, but he's not like a point guard. <laughs> like he's not, no, he's like, like a, yeah, he's a combo guard where he's comfortable playing off the bounce, but he's not necessarily the guy that's going to make a ton of other plays for his teammates. Right, right. Where Jordan know. McLaughlin, Jordan McLaughlin is more like dollar store Chris Paul, where like right. he comes in and he is like off, like setting up the offense, little you know, putting everyone in their spots, pointing around, kind of playing quarterback for better or worse. Um, yeah, so that's why I think it's important to have a guy like that. You can't have enough basketball IQ. He will get minutes, like you said. He also might be in Iowa or Atlanta or whatever they do with the G League. Um, but that was one of those things where like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the team got worse because they got rid of a player for. No real reason at the time. <clears throat> Adding McLaughlin, the team got better. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like they're no. safe. And DeAndre Russell's gonna I mean the ankle thing he had was like super precautionary, but he missed a preseason game. He's gonna right. miss a game on a back to back because they're gonna be resting him. So then you gotta bring Jordan McLaughlin in. And it was it was a good signing. And I, I hope he plays well because that dude deserves to get a couple million dollars. Like he's a good NBA player. Yeah. And to your point about D'Angelo Russell, he's never played a full season in his NBA career. He played 81 games in Brooklyn. Um, yep. The season he was an all-star. Other than that, 80 games, 63 games, 48 games, 45 games. And that was a shortened season last season. Yep. And so he hasn't been like super injury prone where he's missing half the season every single year, but he misses 10, 15, 20 games. And you're going to need somebody like Jordan McLaughlin to fill in for yep. him. And I liked your point about Ronnie House Jefferson and McLaughlin, where McLaughlin actively helps this team more than losing our, uh, Ronnie House Jefferson does. And you can make the Absolutely. argument that you could have both because we we did have both. We there was a roster spot there, um, but aside from that, I think he helps more than losing um, RHJ hurts us. Mm -hmm. um, but the other point too. It's not out of the question that Jordan McLaughlin gets his two-way contract converted if there's not a deal to be had. Right, which is which is why we just need to like say on Saturday that Rondé Hollis Jefferson was bad, and then wait and see because if Jordan McLaughlin gets trans you know transitioned and he's the 15th roster spot and he gets a pay raise <clears> and we're all happy, then let's are we going to be that mad? Everyone right. loves Jordan McLaughlin, so let's right. just chill. Let's keep it down. But there'll be more moves to come. But yeah, that was good. That was good. The RHJ thing was short, but what were you going to say? And say that the Timberwolves at some point in the season make a trade. Which they will. <laughs> yeah. And the reason for keeping the roster spot open is in case a two for three comes or a one for two or whatever. But say a trade happens where the Timberwolves don't bring in another player. Say they bring in just a one for one or a two for two deal or whatever happens. And they still have that roster spot. Who's to say they aren't planning on giving that to Jordan McLaughlin or who's to say that if the Timberwolves yeah. don't make a trade at all, which I think is very, the likelihood of that is very low, but if they don't make a trade at all, we get past the trade deadline. Jordan McLaughlin has been playing good in his minutes. Who's to say the Timberwolves don't say, okay, we still have a roster spot. It's too late to trade for anybody. You've been playing really well. We want to keep you here. 
and we know you want the stability of having a full NBA contract, here is uh, here we're going to convert your two-way into a into a full NBA contract. And there's a there's a chance that Rosas and McLaughlin have talked about the possibility of his contract getting converted. Now I have no inside information or anything about that, but that's not completely out of the question. He could get converted. Will they do it? I don't know because it depends. I think if they can stay under the tax and do it, they'll probably do it. If they don't, they're probably just going to have to try and resign him next summer if they want him back. Yeah. And like I said, at the end of the day, it sucks to lose a player like RHJ who showed nice spurts again. He did show spurts in blowouts. You know what I mean? Like he, he when right. he came into preseason games, it was kind of like, all right, you're kind of going in a minute or two before Jaden McDaniels does, who is like the human victory cigar for now as a developmental <laughs> right. player. But um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Like if, if they don't do another transaction between now and the trade deadline, cutting RHJ was a waste. But they're going to. They turned over 90% of the roster. They're gonna continue to like sniff around free agents and they're gonna or, you know, on guys that are floating around out there and they're yeah. going to make moves and um, they love flexibility. And that's why they don't pay overpay for certain guys like a Tyus. They just say, we'll bring in a cheap guy. We want to be flexible. So uh, it was a it was an active weekend. Like I said, it, I didn't think we were going to have any news. And then it was like crazy news. But the roster seems kind of set for Wednesday for now. I think we can say that the roster is set. <laughs> yeah. So. And. The other thing with Jordan McLaughlin is he is, in my opinion, a better player than Ronnie Hells Jefferson and projects to be a better player. Because um, when you go ahead and you look at his per 36 minute stats from last season, he averaged 14 points a game, 7.6 assists, three rebounds, and he only turned the ball over less than two times a game. Plus, he shot almost 40% from three. He fits the system, and yep. he's not a high usage guy whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and and, and oh, he's, he's a he's a he's a better guard defender than D'Angelo Russell. Um, Russell has a bigger body. He's probably can handle some of the point guards in the league on ball a little better. But I think that Jordan communicates better on the floor. He's scrappier, and he will actually not lose his guy when he's off ball yeah. like D'Angelo Russell. So he's less of a liability. Maybe on ball, he's not as good. I don't know. I'd have to really deep dive into that because I haven't looked too much into his on ball defense. But he definitely seemed better last season. Yep. And Ronnie Hall Jefferson is a liability on the offensive side of the floor, especially in this Timbo system. So I think that you really, and it, it could have worked. I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked. If you surround with four shooters, you can have a non shooter on the floor. But the Timberwolves obviously didn't valued that more than the flexibility that Cunningham brings. And, and that's like fine. If, if Ronda Hollis Jefferson, and again, the Wolves did make a gamble and it might not pay off. And if it's, and if their defense is even more atrocious or Ronda Hollis Jefferson goes and wins a title or whatever with a, you know, a contender, then yeah, like you should criticize Rosa. Oh no, yeah. But like, it's just weird. As, as you said a little bit ago, like, Nick Batum was picked up right away by the Clippers and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson can't get any work. And right. it's like, is it because the Wolves are the dumbest franchise? Or like, why haven't the Lakers given a training camp deal to a guy that everyone thinks should be the starting power forward for the Timberwolves? Like, there's yeah. got to be something there. You know what I mean? And like, we don't... Like, up, you, why what? don't the Mavericks, the Mavericks who were just... They, they're they really good in offense, but they could right. use defense. And they brought in some defenders, but why didn't they do it? Or right. why... I, their roster was pretty full. But there's a ton of teams where it's like, why didn't they go out and try and do it? But it is weird because oh, Ryan yeah. Hollis Jefferson played almost 20 minutes a game on the two-seated Raptors last yep. year. Yep. Like a championship contender. And now he's struggling to find work in the NBA. It's just oh, weird. Or why didn't a team that has like a little extra cash left over for the salary cap just go throw like one year, $2 million at him when you know he's going to say yes? Cause he took right. a training camp deal and then they could flip him at the deadline. They didn't because they want to have <laughs> flexibility, which is the same thing that the wolves want. So I wouldn't rule him out coming back. I mean, we read the same tweets from John Krasinski right. and stuff uh, and Doogie, like he, he could be back. Um, but I think they, they value flexibility and they just knew like, Hey, you're not part of the rotation. So it's better for you and probably better for us that we both part ways. And that's, that's how we're at where we're at. Yeah. And he didn't see, I mean, he hasn't, 
publicly said anything about her or anything, but after he got cut, he was commenting on Malik Beasley's Instagram posts and he yeah. like acting like they're still friends and they're still in the same yep. building. And like, I don't think there's too much bad blood in the situation or anything like that. I hope that there's not, but I guess we don't know that for sure. But yeah, so McLaughlin, end of the story. McLaughlin's back in a two-way since we last talked. Rhonda Hell Jefferson is gone. Now, yep. Timberwolves have played, since we talked last, three preseason games. They got just stomped by the Grizzlies in both of the first two. And then they were kind of getting stomped by the Mavericks, and then they kind of had a lead, and then they were getting stomped again. And then the the scrubs came and pulled it out against four rookies and Boban Marjanovic. Um, so takeaways preseason, just as a whole, biggest takeaways from you for you. The biggest biggest takeaway is Jarrett Culver uh, in his development. That's pretty much hands down. Um, I think the I mean as you, as you said, we were optimistic like a night or two before the preseason started, and then the Timberwolves got waxed by the Grizzlies. Yeah. Who. In hindsight, if you go look, I think they played four preseason games. Maybe they kind of waxed everyone. Yeah, so, they look like, really good. They like, they could just be really good this year. Yeah, and they're coached well, and like they don't maybe. From, and Jaron uh, Jackson Jr. hasn't even played yet. Right, and from a general perspective, you might think that they don't have as much talent as the Wolves because maybe you don't recognize names. But do they just gel? Like they're a well, they're a good cohesive unit. Um, For sure. Yeah, the Wolves got pummeled by two games, and then in the Mavs game, I thought it was. A nice back and forth. Carl, yeah. I thought the best game he had. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell was sidelined with just kind of quote unquote rest uh, with his right. ankle. Um, I thought Ricky looked a little better. Anthony Edwards played awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that defensive stop that went kind of viral on Luca. Oh, I loved it. Um, Josh Kogi looked good again, but uh, but yeah, I think they showed you some more life there, and they showed you that when when or if they can get defensive stops, the team can be really fun. Like if they can get stops and then run rather than have to pull the ball to the basket, they're going to be okay. And Malik Beasley had, I think, what was it, 12 rebounds? That's like a, another big thing for me is, is if he 11, can, I think. 11, yeah. okay. If he can rebound from his position, that's going to help a lot because they're not playing, you know, Derek Favors at power forward. They're not playing a big right. guy. Yeah, Jake Lehman and Wancho are at power forward, who are guys that probably max are averaging five rebounds yep. a night if they're in the starting lineup. Yeah, so I, I guess my two biggest takeaways were preseason results don't matter. Um, but Anthony Edwards, I think has looked better every game he's played and Jarrett Culver isn't the same guy. Like that's, yes, we can, we can joke about that. He's a hundred percent on free throws. I think he took 10, but yeah. that's like a, that's like a thing. Like that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. That's a and big he got a, He got a couple roles and yeah, he's probably not even going to shoot 80% from the line this year, but if he's, and I wrote a whole piece on Jarrett Culver, you guys can check it out at a wolf among wolves.com, but Jarrett Culver shooting 70% from the free throw line, driving to the basket with purpose and knocking down, say, 35% of his threes compared to 30% last year, not even 30% last year. All of a sudden, he's not, he's no longer unplayable on the offensive side of the ball like he was last year. And him and Josh Akogi could not share the floor last right. season at all. Right. Now, you look at the two of them, and it's like, Okogi's jumper looks better. Culver's yeah, jumper looks a little bit better. He looks more confident in all aspects of the floor, and his defense looks better. I could see those two playing together. And granted, this is just preseason, but you can take things from preseason, but you just can't take them too far. But if what I have seen translate to, translates to the regular season, those two could share the floor and be effective. On both yep. sides of the court. I mean, yeah, you don't want those two to be your offense. Like, you're not going to throw them out there with Ed Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, and Ricky Rubio, probably. Like, you're going to want Carl Anthony Towns out there with those two. Yep. But that could be a, they can play together now, which all of a sudden opens up different lineups that you didn't have before because you were pretty limited before if those two couldn't share the floor. And it's also just big from a long-term, big-picture thing because Josh Okoge, as I'm talking to you with my hands, but Josh Okoge's always had a higher floor but a lower ceiling. Right. does have a much lower ceiling because, like, last year, if you shoot 40% from the free-throw line, your ceiling is pretty much unplayable. But he also has a higher ceiling. Like, he has fringe star potential 
in terms of like what his body, you know I mean, he's built like a, like a Paul George, like a, not a Kawhi in strength, but like he's a wing uh-huh. with huge long arms and he's athletic. And like, if he can find some of that and kind of, I think a lot of it's always been mental for him. I don't know. I, this is a, I think I've seen this on Twitter too. So I'm not crediting properly, but like, it might be nice for Jarrett Culver to just play in empty arenas for a while. Like it might, like yeah. that, that might help his free throw. Like that might just help his nerves of just like getting more comfortable playing in what is essentially like the YMCA every night. Um, yeah. And that I, might and be big. To that point, I don't remember who saw, who said that. Um, so I don't want to miscredit, but somebody said that on Twitter, but it also brings up the point. If that is, if that is the case, does he build up enough confidence when there's no fans to where when fans return, he'll be okay. Or will things go downhill when they come back? Yeah. I would imagine he's not going to just like crater when people are allowed in the arena, but I, I do wonder if that's like a, a way for him to feel more comfortable. I also think too, and I remember Dane brought this up way back, but like he just didn't have any summer league. He didn't have a normal like 2019 because he was kind of bounced around with the NBA rules, weird training camp. He was stuck behind guys. You know, Wiggins was still here and stuff. Um, they had him playing a lot of point guard, experimenting yeah. with him. Um, and he was from, a, I mean, Lubbock, Texas. I got friends down there, man. Like it's a small college town and he came to a big metropolitan area and Maybe he just needed a year to adjust. Maybe he just needed yeah. a year to know where his routine was, and now he's comfortable with or without fans. Um, but he was my—he was my biggest takeaway. Like him being good raises this team's potential astronomically, kind of. Because like I didn't expect anything from him. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like you can say what you want about playing in the preseason. But he his defense looked good in the Memphis game, specifically on John Morant. And yep, John Morant yep. wasn't taking it easy. He was going full force, and Culver was able to cut him off. And Culver was yep. able to and and Morant still played well, but not really against Culver. It was against a Kogi, because a Kogi didn't look great, especially in the first game against John Morant. I thought he yeah. looked okay, but he's he let Morant get a, in front of him and he didn't recover well. But Culver played against good players and just still looked good. And I, yep. not many people are going to argue with you that Culver didn't have a good preseason. Um, another takeaway of mine from the preseason was Towns looks more engaged on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, and Ryan Saunders has talked about this too. Like it's a tangible shift in attitude from towns. And if that's true, and if that translates to the regular season, the entire regular season, not just the first 20 games, which we've seen before that translates to the entire regular season, you could chalk the wolves up to five more wins, five, six, seven more wins, just with cat playing good, good defense on the interior. And that was something that stood out. And I hope I continue to see that throughout the season because that would be huge for the team. Yeah, he had some fouls in trouble, but right. I mean, I thought that first game, he looked, I actually thought the first game against Memphis, he just looked bad, but I think it was also like that dude hadn't really picked up a ball in a while, so I wasn't concerned. He looks a little winded still because, again, you don't get an NBA shape unless you play NBA basketball. Like, you right. can't get in shape playing practice or training or whatever, so I thought he looked like Towns. I thought his feet moved a little better. I thought he was you know, for better or worse, not just jumping around. I thought he looked more under control. And yeah, you said it better than anyone can. Like if his defense is, takes a leap, this, everything again, kind of like my Culver take, everything again changes because everyone just has them pegged as Carl being a turnstile. And Mm -hmm. if he can anchor somewhat of a respectable semi-average defense, then everything gets better. And it helps that they have wing defenders that can, you know, stop the ball getting into the paint every possession. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other big takeaways you saw from the Wolves? There's a lot of like minor ones we can talk about. Um, but those are like the two biggest ones. Um, I'm not really worried. The offense hasn't looked great. There's, like the first few months of the season or first month or two just might not be that good. One, because the schedule is tough as hell. And two, they're just not, they don't know each other, which we've talked about before the season too. But 
I'm not too worried about shots falling right. for D'Angelo yes, Russell absolutely. and Towns. Yep. They're going to make shots. Everything's going to, you know, get back to the mean. The average is going to be there. Um, another thing was Nasri didn't play until um, the third game. And when he played, Ed Davis didn't. I don't think Ed Davis logged a minute nope. in the Dallas game. No. Nope. So I can confidently say um, that basically the Wolves have a 10-man rotation. Point yep. guards, Rubio, or Russell Rubio, shooting guard, probably is going to be Beasley and Edwards off the bench at the three or kind of positionless, but at the three, you'll have a Kogi and Culver. I don't know. Maybe Culver steps in the starting lineup. I kind of doubt it, um, but I wouldn't be against it. Uh, and they'll guard the best wing player on the other team. Yep. And then at the power forward, you're going to have one of Jake Lehman or Juancho Hernan Gomez starting, and the other one's going to come off the bench. And then at center, you're going to have Towns, and then Nasri's going to back them up. Why do you think the Wolves are – choosing to go Nas Reed over Ed Davis. I haven't well, I haven't rewatched the Mavericks game. So this was all heat of the moment. The team it was a fun game by the way. Like it was a fun game to be on Twitter and everyone's just yeah. like collectively having a good time. Uh-huh. So I'm saying this without a lot of evidence. I thought Nas Reed looked awesome. That's why I think they play him because I think he's Again, generic brand dollar store Carlton Towns. He spreads the floor. I mean they have a system man like you say That's- all the time. That was my, that's kind of the point I was getting at. I was going to see if you were kind of on the same page. The Timberwolves, think about it this way. The Timberwolves, when they, and they're not going to do five in, five out subs. Like that's just not how the NBA works. But say when the five subs are in, think about the team. Rubio and Russell, they're, they're a little different. Obviously, Russell is more of a scoring guard. But running the offense-wise, they're both really good passers. They both see the floor really well. Move down. Beasley, Edwards, two great athletes. Yep. Can light it up. Can get to the rim. Move down again. Akogi Culver, not great shooters. Really good defenders. Move down to the power forward. You have Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jake Lehman. Similar players. Both are actually – Lehman's a better cutter, but both are good cutters. Both are solid shooters from the outside. And now you have Cat and Nas Reed or Ed Davis. Are you going to put in someone who plays nothing like Carl Anthony Towns? Are you going to put in the Carl Anthony Towns light version? 10 times out of 10, you're going to put in the guy who can play in the same offensive system in the same, somewhat of the same style, rather than somebody who doesn't do anything similar to Towns. So that's kind of and, my point. Yeah, yeah, you just want to keep the offensive and, system the same. You don't want it changing all of a sudden. Now Jared Culver comes in off the bench, and he's playing with Ed Davis, who can't shoot, so he's clogging the lane. Culver's confidence is going to go back down because the, maybe not his confidence, but his ability to get to the rim. Same with Edwards. It's going to go down because Davis is going to be clap crowding that space, and they're not going to be able to get there. And I, I still think that I'm with you, by the way, it's actually a really good comp to be like though it, it's not hockey. They're not going to go five in five out, but basically your second five is like a weird spitting image of your first five. Yeah. In, as you're it's saying, kind of eerily similar, like it's not, you know, they're not replicas. And I think the, the furthest two from being each other would be Rubio and Russell. Yeah. Um, just based on how they get their points and everything. But other than that, there's like, it's kind of eerily similar what the backups are kind of like a light version of the starters. But I would, I would push back a little bit though, that again, this, the preseason like seemed like we actually got to learn a lot. It was also three games and two of them sucked. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, they, they weren't trying in the fourth quarter and stuff. Um, but going back to like, you know, when they cut RHJ because he's on a minimum co- or a training camp deal, because you know, they paid Wancho, whether you right. like it or not, I don't, but like money talks, like those guys get the most opportunities. They did trade a second round pick to get Ed Davis who makes a couple, like 5 million bucks. Nas Reed is on a like peanuts deal. So like there's a good chance come game two, three, four, five, and six Ed Davis takes those Nas Reed minutes. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but it'll be, there'll be nights, man, where you got to throw Ed Davis on, Oh yeah. On, on Jokic. You know what I mean? Cause Nas has developed his body so much. Go look at 2019 summer league. When that dude was undrafted, he was, couldn't like jump over yeah. the free throw line. Not from it, like he couldn't jump over it. And now he's in mm-hmm. great shape. But 
there'll be a lot of nights when he gets probably DNPs and Ed Davis takes that spot. But I just think long-term he, I, I don't know, man. I just really like him. I like, he sets really hard screens and he had a couple of deflections and a couple blocks against Dallas. He was in there, man. When they I'm made that saying, comeback. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to really like age myself and not in like an old way and a young way, but like low key, <laughs> just saying the word low key really just makes me seem like I'm yep. still in high school. <laughs> um, but Nas Reed, I have a weird suspicion that he might actually be an okay defender. Like, yeah, I yeah, think no, I he could actually be solid on that end of the floor, which would be, which would be big for the Timberwolves. Um, if he shows any defense, then that kind of is like, okay, if he has a little bit of defense and way more offense than Ed Davis, you can't warrant playing Ed Davis over him unless, you know, you are going up against Jokic and you just really need some stops. Yeah. Then you throw Ed Davis out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think there'll be some matchup stuff where the Timberwolves, yeah. they'll have to play at Davis. You know, if they're going up against, um, I don't know who plays too big, even like Utah. Like, yeah, yeah. Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, whatever, not huge offensive threats, but still two big dudes. Like, what do you do in that situation? And we'll find out pretty soon because they play them in like a week or two, like Utah's games yep. coming up. But anyways, yeah, it's, it seems like Nas Reed will be the backup center, but it's not to say Ed Davis um, won't play. But to push back on that a little bit, and you said that the Timberwolves did give up a second-round pick to get Ed Davis, and they also actually sent out, you know, Amari Spellman, who just, like, for whatever reason, just despised the Minnesota Timberwolves before he even got there, and then Jacob Evans, which roster-wise, again, flexibility. You bring in one player for two. But I think that Davis was brought in more to kind of be that that, that small cap-filling guy, that $5 million contract guy to where P.J. Tucker has an $8 million contract. You take Ed Davis. And I don't know the trade rules with somebody that just got traded and whatever. But at some point, Ed Davis and Jalen Noel gets you enough money to get P.J. Tucker where yeah you, yep, yep you know and it fills a little bit of that cap but regardless ed davis if he plays it's going to be limited matchup based things i would i would assume yeah Especially I was because say. they're the, the wolves are going to prioritize developing a younger player over um a 30 year old ed davis or however old he is no I, i'm with you i was just going to say like to anyone who thought that they traded a second round pick for a guy to be a locker room presence like that's not it like there will be yeah. plenty of nights when they give him the nod over. I mean, what? Just watch any NBA team. There'll be nights when they still have a ten-man rotation, but that tenth man fluctuates. So mm-hmm. it, I, I think Nas Reed could play twenty-one minutes in a night where Carl has foul trouble. I think the next night he could be a DNP and Ed Davis gets those minutes. So, but I'm with you too. I, th- I think his salary is beneficial. I think at the trade deadline, if the Wolves are probably sniffing the eleven seed. He's an active player to go out in a trade that maybe you get a second round pick back. I think they'll figure it out. But I mean, that's the type of guy that you see on playoff rosters is Ed Davis. So um, not a bad move. Um, I'm a big Nas guy. You're a big Nas guy. So yeah, I I agree though. 10 man rotation is probably what we're going to sniff come Wednesday. So yeah. And that's kind of what Dane Moore has been saying too. He's been alluding to that. And he thought it might even be nine man before the, uh, the, before Derek Culver look in the preseason. But I would, you know, I can't talk about the preseason without talking about Anthony Edwards because obviously he is, um, like, the Timberwolves' number one pick. He's the guy. They just drafted him. Like, what's he going to do? And he just didn't look very good in game one. Then he looked a little better in game two. And then in game three, he looked really confident. He had some really solid defensive plays. He had a couple short stretches where he just took over offensively and he just looked really, really good. And it just kind of shut everybody up. Just like, he just looked really, really like he belonged on the NBA floor and yep, just kind of people. I mean, after the first game, everybody was not everybody. I'm not, okay. I shouldn't generalize like that. Some people were like, Oh, we should have taken LaMelo. Like LaMelo had, zero points, 10 rebounds and four assists or whatever he had. And LaMelo looked pretty good. Um, whatever. But like, 
it was just all it's the preseason. These guys got drafted three weeks before their first preseason game. Like just uh, that's, and that's it. It's not even that it's the preseason. I, before I ever started covering the team, I went to Vegas like five years in a row and just sat. There was a time before summer league blew up where you could go to Vegas and you could sit courtside for an entire day for a hundred bucks. And it was like the best NBA experience ever. I'm sitting like, I'll show you. I have, I'm sitting four seats away from Durant and Harden when Harden was a right. Rookie. So you're watching the rookies, but again, those guys had two weeks in Vegas, nonstop practice, nonstop basketball. Anthony Edwards didn't have any of that. Right. So like his first game against John Morant should have been his first game against, you know, the Sacramento G league team out in Vegas in June or right. July. Like It's just, and again, by if, if you thought his game one was bad, you should then be that much more impressed by how he looked against Luca in game three. Yeah. Like he took large strides. He is going to look bad in some stretches where his shot doesn't fall. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to get amped up. He's going to miss a shot. He's going to have turnovers, but I don't know how you came out of the preseason and not being like, man, that dude has like the tools, like he's yeah. the physical specimen and he just is energetic. And he also just says all the right things. Like he sounds like he really likes learning and like listening. He's not, he's the number one pick, man. Like he should have been like, he could have been like, Hey, I'm, I'm the number one pick. Like this is my team. And he's like, no dude, I'm a role player. Like yeah. that's, that's impressive for a kid who turned 19 in August. So. Yeah. And I don't want to spend too much time on him because I'm sure he'll get talked about the entire year, but he's, he has looked really good and that's just been really encouraging. Um, especially in game three, but to yep. to your point about you said it earlier that one possession against Luka Doncic like yeah he's not doing that every time down the court against Luka Doncic but the fact that he did that as a rookie yep. shows me that he could do that he has the ability to do that and he just has to put in the work to get to the point where he's doing that consistently on that's on a top whatever eight player in the league Yep. It's just impressive. It's just really impressive. Which and, I'm, yeah. Like I said, you're you're, you're not gonna. He's not gonna shut. Anthony Edwards, 19 years old, isn't gonna be the Luca stopper. You no. know what I mean? Like it's kind of like when Josh Okogie had that one awesome block on Harden. Yep, Harden still got buckets. It. You know what I mean? Like there's really there's very few guys that are shut down defenders, and there's certainly not guys on rookie contracts, and there's certainly not guys that have never played an NBA game. So given right. time. But he showed, I mean, there's a lot of ways. LaMelo had dominated Twitter with that one, you know, his passes and stuff. He really struggled with his shot, though. Like, I'm still a believer in him, but yeah, I don't and know. I man, too. He, yeah. He's got a long way to go, too. Like, Wiseman hasn't even been on the floor. Like, you're going to have to give this class that was already kind of, you know, kind of, for a better word, shit on. You're going to have to give yeah. them some time to, to grow because they're going to need minutes and reps to kind of figure out where they, where they belong. Yeah, and... And the thing with his defense, and I, I wrote this in the Culver piece, but it doesn't just pertain to J.R. Culver. It pertains to every single person playing defense in the NBA. And I said the most important thing a defender can do is slow down their man. So if James Harden comes to town with the Houston Rockets, Josh Okogie's job isn't to strip the ball away from him a couple times. His job will be to limit Harden to 18 field goal attempts instead yep. of his average of 22 to 26 points instead of his average of 34, you know, and cut down on the fouls. Don't get him to the line as much. Like that is what effective defense is not yep. six turnovers, you know, instead of Harden's usual four turnovers, like that's yep. not what's going to make a difference. Um, and I think the same thing with Anthony Edwards and Edwards is going to have to, you know, he needs to be a good defender at some point in his career but I'm not going to be surprised or upset if he's not a good defender Wednesday night against the Pistons or right. yeah, Saturday yeah. night against, I don't even know who they play Saturday night, the Lakers or Clippers or whoever they, I don't even have their schedule open, but just, he just needs to show promise that he can. Yep. And I think that David Vanderpool is going to unlock a lot of that. And it was nice to see. And we talked about Vanderpool last time we talked a week and a half ago or two weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, but Vanderpool sees the same things we do and more, and he sees the tools that Edwards yep. has. He saw those glimpses and he's going to try and get that out of him. And I think that Edwards, like you mentioned, is going to be like Vanderpool's guy. Like you're going to like, David, you're going to develop Anthony. 
and like that's your project turn him into whoever not da- obviously not right. damian lillard but like mold but it him. is his but it yeah. is yeah but it is his damian lillard like right. that's his that's his rookie yeah. that doesn't is so wet behind the ears he doesn't even know what way is up and that is the guy that vanterpool will sit by him on the bus and on the plane and they'll watch film together and that'll be his guy um and as he's mentioned in uh interviews already or like media stuff rookies the best way to get on the court man is just defend you know what I mean? You're, it's not to go out there and jack a bunch of shots or make a bunch of flashy passes. Can you defend? So Vanderpool is going to be like, hey, the way you'll stick is play defense, and then if you get stops, we'll get you the ball. We'll let you run. So he's going to be fine. He's going to be awesome. I'm a huge Anthony yeah. Edwards fan. So Yeah, I'm not worried about Edwards. Um, we'll move on to the next topic, too. I didn't tell you that we were going to bring this up, but I just want to touch on it because the news did come out today. Um, Malik Beasley's legal issues. Um I don't have any takes on it or anything, but I agree. I'd be remiss to not at least um, bring it up. Basically, he, I want to find the wording here. Um, so Shams reported that any potential jail or home confinement will not exceed 120 days for Beasley and will be served at the end of the 2020-2021 season. So if he does have to do any um, home arrest or jail time or anything, It'll be after the season's over. Um, and what was what was the charges? He entered um, a guilty plea for threats of violence from obviously everything that happened in October, and his felony drug charges were dismissed. So um, Dane, Dane Moore, said that discipline from the league is still highly likely and the suspension is still likely. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that um, that come at some point this year. So I'm not going to talk about the legal trouble because that's his stuff. I don't have to have an opinion on that whatsoever, but I do want to talk about what happens when Malik Beasley, if, and when Malik Beasley is suspended, what happens for those games? And I don't think it's going to be like half the season suspension or anything, but I have no idea. Does the rotation just become nine man and he's just out and you just let Edwards have more, Culver have more, Akogi have more, Russell have more. Does McLaughlin fill that role? And you see more play of Russell at the two and Rubio at the two. Or does Jalen Noel fill that role? Does he come in and, you know, probably Edwards would start and then Noel comes off the bench. What do you think would happen there if if and when Malik Beasley misses time due to a suspension? Well, yeah, like I said, I think credit to Dane because Dane was the first one when this all started up that said he had cited some league source that said that a suspension will be likely. Right. Um, I also think by reading through the tea leaves, we're probably looking more at like two to four games than anything, you know, like 10 to 15. Um, right. I also think his sentence is like February 9th or something. So yeah, kind of all, all, all I'm saying is that like it's a also and this is important and it's not like the most sourced thing in the world, but it is informed. Like the Timberwolves knew this would play out the way it did. Like NBA teams, I mean, you know this, like NBA teams have security teams and they are well-established with their local police departments and they have lawyers on retainer. I mean, so it it wasn't like today was like, oh my God, wow, that's crazy. It's not going to be as bad as you thought. And that's how I interpret it. It's not, it's, it's legal stuff. Like you said, I don't, that's not my, comfort zone but i it did seem like he got off easier than we thought he might um and yeah so if he's out of the rotation for two four or five games um that's also three months from now so i mean you made you listed all the guys that could fill those spots i don't know man team could look different different it could be devin booker's spot like i'm joking but like it could be anyone's spot at that point but i would imagine that by that time if we are talking three months from now it'll probably be and like you yeah. slide in the rookie who's got his who's reps in and he takes that spot and then you just kind of shift guys around like then Rubio's the first off the bench and Culver comes in with him and I don't think it'll be a big deal I, I think today's news was good if you're a fan of the team because I don't think he's going to see as much issues as we thought um yeah but but yeah I think by that time you make a good point it could be Noel like maybe he's balling and he just is just Michael or Malik, Michael Beasley. He's Malik Beasley light and they just slide him in. Um, but I, I think it'll be Edwards. I think he'll chew up all those minutes. Cause you got to find, you got to find, you know, 28, 30 minutes for ant by the time February rolls around. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, another another quick note just around the league. Luke Kennard signed for like what was it? Four years, seventy two million or seven something more than what Malik Beasley got. Yep, that makes Beasley's contract look better. I I agree. I, I agree. I wasn't. I don't want to speak on something I don't firmly know. Wasn't watching a lot of Pistons games last year. Um, I know Luke Kennard is nice. But Four I also year 64 million, which is 16 million a year. Malik Beasley's average is 15, but player option in the last year or team option in the last year, obviously, you know, 8% raises throughout. Um, but Luke Kennard's a good player, but. I, th- I think more than anything, it just tells you that that's why the Wolves signed him and courted him and showed up at his house at whatever, 1201, whenever free agency started or 701. Um, because. More than anything, I mean, you're, you're talking about Luke Kennard, but Markel Fultz got paid today. Jonathan Isaac got paid today. There was a slew of uh, OG Ananobi, like a ton of guys got paid. The NBA still has money. The yeah. pandemic did not hurt NBA franchises as much as people want to believe. Like, people Owners got are going today. to go over the salary cap still. They're not yeah. going to be like – every owner, owner has the money to pay that, yep. pay that money. Um, but, yeah, I think it just – contracts, the more contracts we see – you just see, like, there's a premium for 40% three-point shooters on the wing. Luke Kennard, yep. Joe Harris, Malik Beasley all made good money by being knocked down three-point shooters from the wing. Yep. And I don't think that his contract looks as bad as people thought it did originally. So I thought that with the Joe Harris deal, too, because Joe made a lot more than Beasley yep. did. Yep. Um, And honestly, with those three, Kennard... Harris Beasley Beasley is the high ceiling out of any of them I again I'm biased so I can understand if you say that but I was literally going to say the same thing yeah I, you if you had to pick all of them Beasley has the highest chance to like be the yeah. best defender and he's the <laughs> and most like, athletic and yep. just and that's fine and I would probably take the other two to hit I would take Harris or Kennard to hit a shot um over Beasley, I think they're better peer shooters, but I think Beasley's got the high ceiling. Sorry for the awkward ending to that podcast. Kyle and I plan to define success for each player on the Timberwolves and for the Timberwolves in general, and we did that later on, but this podcast ended up being two hours, so we split it up, and that is going to be in an episode for tomorrow before the Timberwolves play the Pistons with the season opener. So make sure you guys come back and listen to that one. Subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you don't miss it. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Anyways, it's been Brendan, and I'm saying peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.